This is a podcast produced by Visionaries Norway. Hello everybody, and thank you so much for joining us in this first podcast episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to follow us on Facebook where you can contact us and support us. The world today consists of a whole bunch of people. Most of these people are sighted, but some of us are also blind. We are either blind from birth or we have lost our sight sometimes during our lives. Our main goal with this podcast series is to provide information and practical tools to help blind people increase the level of freedom in their lives. We'll be discussing topics such as echolocation, for instance, how is it that a blind person can use a tongue click and is able to locate and navigate the world around by the echoes that returns after the click? Without further ado, here's an interview we've done with Daniel Kish. Daniel Kish is blind himself, an excellent echolocator and a pioneer in this field. So, I actually have come across the name Daniel Kish many times, just Googling and, you know, hearing people talk about, oh, there's a blind guy that does bicycling and, and some clicking sounds. And I'm sure many, many people in, you know, many blind people in Norway have heard about that as well. But now the guy is actually here. So, <laughs> so, so, so Daniel, who, I mean... I know that there's more that you do than just bicycling. So would you would you mind start sharing a bit? You know who who, who are you? Where, where do you come from in terms of of the, or the work that you do? Well, thanks for asking. Um, I uh, am the president of World Access for the Blind Visioneers, and uh, I. Did, I started the the company really out of a feeling of need that blind people could uh, find much more freedom in our lives than we were finding. Um, I had been echolocating uh, for since I was a year old basically <clears throat> or a little over a year old and so it was very natural to me uh, to do and the kind of freedom that it gave me as a child growing up was also quite natural um, I didn't have access to other blind children really it was just my my experience there weren't really other blind children around so I I had no um, association with other, other blind children nor really uh, any basis of, of comparison and I didn't begin receiving formal mobility training until I was older, uh, really between the years of 10 and 12. 12 years old was when I started receiving regular training. Mm -hmm. um, and I 
over time came to realize that the expectations of what we could do, what we would learn to do or be able to do as blind people were a lot lower than I thought they could be. I mean, I was just a bit surprised about that because I wasn't raised so much with that um, being a problem. But as I came to know blind people more and as I began receiving instruction in a formal way, I was just a bit surprised that um, not only were a lot of the things that I'd already learned to do not really included or capitalized upon in the training, they, they weren't really refined, they, weren't, they were often not recognized, sometimes they were discouraged, and uh, I was surprised at, at, at what other blind people were not able to do. I mean, what came fairly natural to me um, did not seem to be natural to a lot of other people, and a lot of other people, blind people, seemed to be more restricted, um, more concerned, more afraid, more anxious, um, just didn't seem to have that, that same <clears throat> that same sense of freedom that I had. So, uh, so fast forward, um, I got my degree in psychology, I have a master's in psychology, and as part of my master's degree in psychology, I ended up doing a master's thesis on human echolocation. Mm -hmm. what, what, what was it? What is it? How does it work? Um, how can people learn it? Because clearly people were not learning to use it to any kind of, a, of an advanced degree that they could use as a principal means of navigating and interacting with your environment. And um, I wanted to investigate that. Um, um, how, how do we teach it? How, how can we help people develop this ability further? And um, I did the master's thesis as, as, as um, a consequence of the master's thesis, or one of the results, um, was that I presented at a local mobility conference in California. Uh, the speaker they had lined up had canceled, and they sort of <laughs> slotted me in at the last minute. Would you, would you please do this? So I did it, and I, there was a, maybe 90 people present or something. Um, and there was a, a big range of reactions uh, from skepticism, controversy, a bit of hostility, but also a lot of enthusiasm. Like, like we can't believe <laughs> what we're seeing and, and you know, how, how some of your students are doing and how, you, how you're doing what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So, so anyway, that led to um, uh, me actually being asked if I uh, had ever considered training as a mobility instructor. And I hadn't. <clears throat> it hadn't been uh, a thought to, to be a mobility instructor. But one thing led to another, and I eventually did it. So I have my second master's in special education. I became certified as a mobility instructor in the States. Um, I'm the first totally blind certified mobility instructor that we know of. Um, and I just began teaching. So fast forward a bit more. Um, I basically just taught what I knew. I taught what I knew as a psychologist. So as a psychologist, as a developmental psychologist, I knew a lot about how humans develop, how people develop, how our brains develop, how our perceptual system develops, how our 
relationship with the world develops. Um, and I kind of applied that knowledge to, um, to combine with what I knew as a blind person. You know, I, I, I sort of reverse engineered my own brain, if you will. I kind uh -huh. of went back and thought, well, how did I learn to do this? I mean, you know, you don't remember at the age of a year and a half how you learned to click and find your way around your environment by yourself. But I was able to sort of get a sense of how I must have learned mm -hmm. to do this so that it made sense to develop teaching methods. I took very careful field notes in my master's thesis. I had 24 students and I meticulously recorded everything that happened during every session with all of these 24 students and it eventually compiled these notes into the first curriculum, um, which, you know, obviously it's been advanced and refined and developed and changed and modified, but the curriculum we use today is based on that curriculum of 25 or so years ago. So I just taught what I knew, um, the best way I knew it. And I, for lack of a better way of putting it, word got out. Um, we're talking back in the late 90s, before really internet and before YouTube and before Facebook, before, before you know... Um, before Snapchat. Snapchat, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we, had to do, we had to find out about things the old-fashioned way back then. But people did find out that we had students who were playing sports and, you know, some who were riding bikes. We had a bicycling club. Um, we had people hiking by themselves, you know, whatever. We had, we had people basically learning to get around comfortably, confidently, quickly, gracefully, safely, um, freely. Um, and uh, the, the media took interest. I mean, people would just come and say, what are you doing and how does it work? And, and, and how is it that you're able to do this? How is it that your students are able to do that? Um, and, uh, and so the media came to us. We never really went to the media. I, I don't, for better or worse, I don't tend to actively promote um, really. Um, the media has always just sort of come to us. So. So uh, again, fast forwarding, we had correspondences coming in from really all over the world, um, mostly by hard copy mail, very old fashioned. Um, but then of course email and, and um, I was working at the time at a place called the Blind Children's Learning Center, which was a local nonprofit. I, I was a mobility specialist there, but I also supervised other mobility specialists. Mm -hmm. And we had a preschool attached to this center. So I worked with preschoolers. Um, we also had a baby unit. So, I mean, I, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'm not the first, but I'm one of the first people to really start doing mobility with, with infants, mm -hmm. mobility training with infants, you know, cane training, uh, click training, um, free, I call it freedom of movement training, really starting at very, very young ages to develop uh, the capacity of these blind infants to take charge of their environment uh, and not wait for other people to orient them or navigate them or explain to them or whatever it is that we sort of tend to do with blind kids. And then blind kids 
during those formative years of development become quite attached and quite dependent. Uh, I call it dependency conditioning. Mm -hmm. They become quite dependent on other people essentially spoon-feeding them information. Yep. Um, and it can be a way of finding out about the world. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that anything is right or wrong. I am saying that there are results, there are consequences to, to doing it that way. And one of the consequences is that young blind children attach their view of the world, if you will, to other people's perception mm -hmm. of the world. And so when they do that, they tend to lose their own capacity to establish their own relationship with the world on their own terms. So it's kind of a choice that's sort of made for them. And then once it's made for them, that tends to be the direction in which their brain develops and in which their whole relationship with the world develops. And all I'm saying is there's an alternative. There's a different way of doing it. There's a choice. There's an option. And we are we were and are exploring that option. What if blind people can establish their own relationship? What if they can orient themselves to new environments? What if they can navigate themselves through new environments? They become the master rather than being the servant of other people. Right, exactly, exactly. Or you can pick and choose. <laughs> you know, you can pick and choose if you want assistance or support or if you want information from someone or if you want someone to help you with someone. But it doesn't become a requirement mm -hmm. anymore, right? And so you really do become the master because you are free to choose and you are free um, to unchoose. I mean, if I, if I um, book assistance at the airport, for example, mm -hmm. Um, which I, I usually do book assistance at the airport, but I can choose not to take the assistance. Or if the assistance doesn't show up, as happens more frequently than people want to admit, really, um, I can choose to leave. I can choose to go off and, and do it myself. Uh, and, and typically will, because I don't wait long for... I mean, you know, I just don't. I have other things to do. I have places to go. I have things to do, and I'm not. I'm not going to sit around and wait for someone to take their sweet time showing up. So, yeah. But, but, but if the person shows up, and they're pleasant and nice and efficient, of course I'm going to take assistance. There's no reason why not. It's it's fine. So, I guess my point is that with these young blind children, the choices are often made for them, and even for blind adults who go blind later in life, the choice is made for them this is how it's done, this is how you do sighted guide, this is how someone you know, orients you to this or uh, shows you how to do that or shows you where not to go kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, so, so five years into my work at the Blind Children's Learning Center, I just decided that there was a bigger picture. Um, there were people, blind people, parents, uh, teachers um, who wanted to know how to foster this level of freedom that spoke to a much higher standard, that spoke to a much higher set of expectations than is traditional. And I couldn't meet that demand while working at this center. So I quit my job 
and I started up World Access for the Blind, um, which is a registered charity in the U.S. And I just, um, without any business knowledge <laughs> or any business sense, uh, you know, I was trained as a teacher and a psychologist, but um, I pushed forward and um, had, you know, people helping and partners and, and so forth. So, so we, so our, our really the main goal for us is to um, facilitate uh, self-directed freedom and achievement um, for people with all forms of blindness and to raise public awareness about the real strengths and needs of blind people. And uh, it's not that we're doing anything for people. We do not see ourselves as as you know as, as carers or helpers mm. or anything like that we see ourselves really as um, sharers of knowledge expertise and experience but more than that really as facilitators of learning learning is up to the student I feel like it's my responsibility to to facilitate a person's capacity to learn things I don't tend to feel like I have a massive agenda to teach people things. Mm -hmm. um, it's remarkable to me when students um, are respected for having the responsibility over their own learning, what they will learn. Mm. And that's even true for children. In fact, many people will ask me, how do you, how do you work with babies? Like, you know, a lot of people are afraid of babies. It's interesting that people are afraid of babies, but a lot of people are afraid of babies. And I used to be a little bit as well, like, you know, what do you do with a baby? But what you quickly find out is that babies are learning machines. Their sole purpose in life is to learn. And they'll stop at nothing to learn. I mean, it, it, they can cause huge inconvenience to everyone else in their drive to learn. And so actually babies and young children are incredibly easy to teach and uh, because it's relatively easy to facilitate their learning. You don't really facilitate their learning. They're going to learn anyway. But you, through an experiential method, you can uh, provide opportunities for them to learn phenomenal things at a phenomenal rate. So, uh, so we established World Access for the Blind in 2001 and we've been expanding if you will ever since so now we've been to I think exactly 40 countries um, and we've done uh, workshops and instruction and we've presented and we've worked with um, oh, nearly 3,000 um, blind students and their families but but well over 10,000 instructors uh, to just um, share an alternative to helping people find and claim their freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, for us, that's really what it boils down to, is helping blind people find and claim their own freedom, but it goes far beyond blindness for us. You know, it goes to anyone who has any association with a blind person. You're affecting families, you're affecting siblings, you're affecting friends, you're affecting communities because everyone benefits 
from what anyone learns. Uh, and so that freedom becomes contribution, it becomes participation, it becomes integration, it becomes sharing, it becomes supporting others and serving others. Um, and that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're about. So we find ourselves to Norway. And um, <clears throat> this is my third trip to Norway. And it was very, very gratifying to me this workshop that we did a year ago. Yeah, in 2017. Right? 2017, yep. And the response was really remarkable to me. I mean, you know, I didn't organize this. Um, um, you all organized this at your end. Um, and uh, we really almost had more people than we could comfortably handle in, <laughs> you know, in, the, in the time that we had. But even so, the responses were very, very gratifying. People very pleased at what they'd learned and wanting to learn more. Um, parents, families, children, youth, and instructors, uh, for the most part, very responsive and wanting to learn more. And so now um, there's interest in bringing this approach toward self-determination and self-direction to one's own freedom of achievement to Norway, for blind people in Norway. So Visioneers Norway uh, is really an honor for us to, to help set up and to help support and for me to, um, to help train people here uh, to be able to bring this freedom forward. controversy around blind instructors mm -hmm. and it certainly happened in the US it happens more or less uh, in in different countries um, and I think that controversy kind of misses the point of whether <laughs> an instructor should be blind or sighted or or whatever right you know we we all live on this world together we all share our experiences there are unquestionably things that a blind person brings to the table um, as an instructor that is difficult or impossible for a sighted person to do. And I think, I think that has to be clear, and I'm stating it openly, that sighted people struggle very hard, they are handicapped, if you will, um, in uh, f helping to facilitate certain kinds of learning for blind students. And the reverse is also true. I mean, there are things that a sighted person can do quite easily that may be difficult or impossible for a sighted or for a blind instructor to do. And I just think that rather than looking at it as a kind of us versus them sort of thing, which unfortunately it, it tends to degenerate into, I think we're really all in this together. And I think that if we pool our collective interest and just openly state that we are about helping people find their own freedom and, f and, and claim it on their own terms. 
we can all get together and help that happen. And so I'm happy to train really anyone sighted or blind to bring that about and to, and to facilitate that happening. Um, uh, obviously, you know, there's a certain, there are certain benefits to training blind people to, to do this. For one, there are so precious few of us actually teaching. We need more blind people in the field teaching. Um, and so I, I have emphasized our efforts to, to train more blind people to do this, but not to the exclusion of training sighted people to do it as well, and to recognizing the, the talents and gifts that, that sighted people have the capacity to bring into this process. to share <clears throat> I don't I don't like to sell and I'm not much for convincing or persuading I like to share I like to share um, experiences um, I like to share results uh, I, as you said earlier it's not about whether or not a person can ride a bicycle it's about it's about whether or not a person can make choices for themselves and carry those choices out it's about whether or not a person can decide what they want to do, how they want to do it, and then go do it. That's really what it's about for me. As a child, yes, I was, I was presented with a bicycle, um, and I, I, I saw other kids riding a bicycle. I, I wanted to ride a bicycle. So, you know, I was presented with a bicycle, and um, I happened to have the ability to develop the skills to, to ride it. And, of course, I was clicking like mad, you know, in, in riding this bicycle. And I um, was able to not run into things and I was able to actually, you know, back in those days, I, I lived on residential roads that were not heavily trafficked, but traffic was never the issue. Cars make noise, they're not hard to avoid. So traffic was never my concern. It was more about, more about keeping track of myself on the road. Where am I riding, um, am I, not going to run into things and that sort of thing. And so I, I, I would ride to friends' houses or I would ride to school back when kids actually rode their bikes to school. Um, not because I thought it was any special thing. I mean, I wasn't celebrated for that. My, my parents never, um, n never really played the our kid is so amazing card. You know, for, to them it was just, I was just a kid. And and so there was no special um, uh, fanfare around my ability to find my way around any environment or my ability to ride a bicycle or my ability to take myself on a walk really pretty much anywhere I wanted to go. Um, I did it because I could. And now I just sort of offer, you know, the same option to other people who want to you can do it if you want to. You can learn to, to navigate your own environment. Uh, you can learn to orient yourself to a new environment. You can learn to travel. You can learn to play sports. You can learn to go hiking. You can learn to raise a family. You can learn to um, run your own household. I mean, you can basically learn to run your own life 
or help people with theirs um, on your own terms as you please. And there's, there's, there's nothing about blindness that prevents us from doing that. Please subscribe if you want to hear more educational and inspirational podcasts and help us in our work with supporting visually impaired to become more independent. You may donate via our Facebook page, Visionaries Norway. Thank you for listening.